What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to Nightmare Success In and Out Podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares to set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with. We're going to be talking about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that will help you knock down some of the prisons you've built up in your own mind. Folks, today I have Mr. Michael Hughes with me. Michael, welcome. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, thank you. Let's put the clap to that. <laughs> yeah, I heard that on Jim. Yeah. We We're got, pretty much on everybody, Jim. Yeah, well, you know, you got to use it. You know, and this is a live audience here that we've got, so you've really brought in a lot of people, so I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I'm glad you advertised it. So, Mike, this is this is really something because we were just talking before we got on here. How many miles we walked in the yard, on the fence, on that sidewalk, against the barbed wire fence, and here we are talking on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many miles. You know, I wish I could figure out how many miles I ran on that fence oh, because man. I really got into running. I got to tell you, know? you, man, I lost 35 pounds in prison and you went on a, like a, just, you went, you go zero to 60 on everything. What, what did you, yeah. <laughs> what did you lose in prison? I walked out of prison at 206 pounds. I, I think I weighed, when I went in, I was like 265. I mean, I was tearing it up before I went in. So I bet you I lost 50 pounds. Damn. I came out of prison. Matter of fact, I came out of prison and within I think four months after I got out, maybe six months after I got out, I went and I ran a half marathon. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I hated to run. I hated to run in the military and I still hate to run, but I did it just because I just wanted to do it. Well, just you wanted to say that I did you it. ran all the time when we were in the yard there and everybody was like mm-hmm. walking and you were running like a madman. Yeah. 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 Still run now. Not much. Not as much yeah. as I did. See, I quit running. I I um I tore both my patella tendons halfway through, and uh, they they didn't think that was a good. They could either go in and they were, could repair it, or they just said quit playing basketball with these guys. I was like forty years old, and, and probably not running would be good. So I just I, I went yeah. to the bike route. Now that stationary bike is downstairs, and I just do that. And okay, it's not the same. Good. It's not the same. No, it's, it's not, not the same. Endorphin high. No, no, it doesn't do the same at thing. all. No. Well, I got to tell you, Mike, one of the things I, I, you know, before we get into everything, one of the things I remember is you and me, you know, it was almost like an escape for me when you and I talked because we could talk business and you were so damn smart with ideas and, and I don't know if I run across anybody that is you can do numbers in your head and calculate this stuff out. It's scary yeah, that was to one me. Of the problem. That was one of the problems. <laughs> but I loved yeah. it because it was, it was fun. And, and uh, you know, when, when we went through RDAP together, which is the program you get a year off from, and, and we got to do stuff together in there. And, and with the, you know, we had like little sets that we did on, you know, setting goals and that kind of thing we did. And, and it was, yeah it kind of felt like we were out of prison. I always see our relationship is that was one of my escapes in prison is, is kind of hooking up 
and and teaming up with you on different things. And it was like, okay, we're doing this. And it's almost like we're at a business meeting. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I, and the other thing, you know, through that, that whole, that whole, you know, and I, I you know, I, it was funny when listening to, uh, to Mark Glover when he was on, I, I had a call with him after, you know, and, uh, you know, for that time that I was there, I saw guys that were down for a long time, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and here I am. And I, I knew that if I got our dap, I'd be done in about all oh, 14 months or so. So I always hated bringing that up, you know, but, uh, you know, Mark said to me after he goes, you know, Mike, it took me a minute to realize that 14 minutes is too long. Yeah. It doesn't matter how long it is, but you know, having the time separated did me a lot of good in a lot of different areas. Yeah. You know, having that time yeah. separated from all of the, the just madness yeah. and uh, of life. And, you know, I felt like, you know, I wanted to be productive on several different levels when you, you know, were while in. I was there, yeah. when I was in. Yeah. And, and, you I, you know, and you were, and I felt like I made the most of it. No, and, and I know we're jumping way ahead of everything, but I mean, you getting involved with the education department, doing all the stuff that you did, it was, it was really cool. And, and I think that's, you know, we'll talk about this, but that's one of the tips I think is, is don't ever, you don't ever lose you because right. you know, regardless of the circumstances, keep being you because if you lose you, then you, you can go down that slippery slope of being institutionalized and that's never where you want to go. Yeah. Ugly place to be, right? Ugly place, ugly to, place be. to be. So Mike, I, you know, you and I haven't talked about this. So take me back to Mike Hughes growing up. What was, what, what was life like with little Michael Hughes? Well, um, my whole life revolved around uh, athletics. Yeah. You know, terrible academics, terrible academics. That shocks school. me because you're so goddamn <laughs> yeah. smart. Yeah, I hated school from Jump Street. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, literally from my first day of kindergarten, I can remember, you know, getting in trouble for cutting a girl ahead of me. I went to a Catholic school and she was sitting there and her hair was hanging on my desk. And I remember cutting her hair with the, the scissors they give you. Yeah, that's you not know? good. That's not a good. No, I got no. in trouble day one. And uh, <laughs> I just, I hated school. But man, I uh, I lived for, you know, getting out of that classroom and hitting the baseball field. That's you want to hear I something funny them. about those scissors in kindergarten? I couldn't, I couldn't cut with them because I was left-handed. I didn't have left-handed scissors. And so the, the teacher would look at me like, and, and she kind of shake her head like this kid can't even cut paper. The le- Back in those <laughs> the days, they didn't, have, they didn't have left-handed scissors. Oh, uh, well, that was my start. So t- yeah, so I just, uh, I played, I played a ton of baseball, started yeah. baseball real young. Where'd you grow um, up though? You were up East. I, I grew up in central New York. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we, uh, huge Syracuse we fan, a huge Syracuse fan. <laughs> love the Q's. Love the Q's. I wish they'd get rid of Bayheim, but just love the Q's. Um, we left Syracuse, I think when I was nine and, uh, we went to Las Vegas for a year cause my dad's brother was out there and they decided to move back home. My grandfather got sick. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom was the first time away from her family. So it was real hard on her. So we went back to Syracuse and, um, you know, it was different than when I was growing up. I mean, we lived most of the time when I was, you know, when I, before we moved to Vegas, we lived most of the time in the city and, and, you know, city's a city. What was the Wherever family you unit? You got your mom and dad and wh- my mom, my dad, I got a sister, um, my sister, Beth and, yeah. uh, tons of cousins, tons yeah. of cousins. What were, yeah, mom and dad the, uh, like? what were mom and dad like? 
you know, hard workers, man. Yeah. My, my, my dad is, uh, my dad's 75. Now he still drives truck. I love it. And, uh, yeah, he just doesn't want to give it up. He says they're, they're we paying need too much money to spend a week. We need him. And, uh, mom worked for the phone company and, um, she worked for the phone company in Syracuse and then she worked for, uh, for Merck for a while and, uh, just a real good family. Yeah. I mean, a great family. Um, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the, the extended family grandparents, my, my, uh, my mom's parents, I was super close with my grandfather until he died when I was, well, I guess I had just turned 12 he passed and, um, super tight with him. I was, you know, I was his first grandchild. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just, uh, was, was really, really close with him. He was a, uh, World War II vet. Yeah. Um, you know, I can remember going as a kid with him. I just thought it was so cool going to the Pearl Harbor Survivors Association, clam, bake, clam bakes. And oh, yeah. Seeing all these, these guys to me were larger than life, you yeah. know? Heroes. And now, you know, I, yeah, now at, 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 at 53, I just, I realized just how much those guys actually did. Oh, yeah. You know? You know, I, I, I see it now, but <clears throat> I, I got to experience that. What was um, high school like a, for you, Mike? Because you were playing sports and that. Did you think you were going to go pro baseball? Were you going to be course. the guy? I was like, I was like everybody else yeah. in high school, you know? Um, and uh, I was just so bad academically. I mean, just terrible. I did everything just to get by academically. And so when it came time for college, I remember um, all the guys. So I was a catcher. All the guys that I caught. So, for instance, we had five five guys my junior year. Five, our pitching staff, five guys: Georgia Tech, Seton Hall, uh, George Washington University, Kentucky, wow. and Cornell. And here I am. <laughs> well, I wonder what community college I'm going to. Yeah. How awesome is that? You caught all those guys. Yeah, great ball players. Wow. Great ball players competed against some great players. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all, that's often overlooked in, in central New York just because of the, you know, we just don't get enough at bats. And, you know, I, I turned up 17 when I graduated. So I had an extra year of summer ball with the Babe Ruth team. And, um, we, uh, my, my last season playing, uh, uh, Babe Ruth ball, we went to the, uh, the Babe Ruth world series. That was pretty cool. That was that, a great experience. That would be huge. Yeah, it was a great experience. And then, you know, I, uh, I went out to UNLV. Yeah. And uh, uh, my wife and I, we met. Running we, Rebels. You know, so running Rebels. I hated them. That was back <laughs> when Larry Johnson was there. I remember that. Uh, and Anderson Hunt. Yeah. Uh, couldn't stand them. And uh, I think I was the only guy in the bar cheering for Duke when Duke beat him. They were undefeated. Who was the old that coach was, that uh, sucked on the towels? I can't remember his name. Jerry Tarkanian. Ah, Sarkanian. Jerry, How could I forget should- his name? I have no idea. He should have been in there with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, golly. So, so you went to UNLV. What was, what, what did, what'd you major in? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, criminal, criminal justice. Oh, way to be, Mike. <laughs> you like that. Yeah. You like that. That's nice. Welcome yeah. aboard. Political science major, criminal justice. Here we are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. So I left there. I ended up going in the military for four years. My wife and I got married um, and we got pregnant with our, our first son, Patrick, um, mm-hmm. in 1992. And uh, August, I think, of 91 is when um, the invasion uh, of Iraq took place. Yep. And I went down and I enlisted. 
Um, and the earliest I could get in was uh, April. I, I left for basic training on April 2nd of 1992. Do you think that and, you joined the military because of your relationship with your grandpa? I think it was a part of it. Yeah. You know, my, my family had served for the most part. Um, you know, my, my grandfather, after he came, he was dead set against war. Like he was dead set against the Vietnam war. Mm-hmm. I remember that as yeah. a kid, um, him talking about it. But, um, you know, I, 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 when I, when I went in the military, um, I, I really thrived because of the, the organization, the regimentation. I had a set structure every day, you know, I, I'm and, cur- and that's where I thrived. I'm curious, Mike, because you and I never talked about this. Is there, is there any similarity to your time that you spent in the military and prison time? Structure. Structure. A hundred percent structure. Okay. hundred percent structure. You know, um, yeah, you know, some of the C, I don't know. I, the COs could give a shit about you, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't care. They're there to do their job. Count. On. Yeah, so, count. Some <laughs> of them are there to torment you. Right. Um, you know, my experience in the military about people that were in that position of authority was completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, they were there to train you, lead you, teach you. Um, everything they did was to try and make you a better individual yeah. and a better team and a better team member, yeah. you know? Um, and I had a great four years in the army. I mean, it was, uh, it was fabulous. I went to, went to basic training, uh, at Fort Jackson. And then they sent me to probably, if it's not the worst duty station to send a private, it's t- top five. Yeah. They sent me to language school in Monterey, California. Okay. And, uh, I'm there as a private. Uh, and I'm making, I think my check at the time was, Shannon could tell you it's a penny. I think it was like 980 bucks. Way to go. Our rent, <laughs> yeah, our rent was 690 and our uh, car payment was 213 So you can do the math. <laughs> I can't do so the Shannon math. So gets, yeah, Shannon not, gets I'm not going to get a math. She goes, she goes, oh, I got to get a job immediately. So she started working. I'm going to school during the day. It was a, it was a language school, so I was there studying Russian. Yeah. And uh, Russian? I did six. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Studied Russian there. I did uh, 16 months. And the funny story, my mom, she wasn't really supportive of the military. When I left, she said, well, where do you think you're going to go after this? I said, I don't know. I'm going to language school. I called her when I got my orders, <clears throat> and I <laughs> – and I told her, well, mom, I, I found out I'm going to Monterey, California and uh, for language school. And she said, well, what language? And I said, Russian. And she said, <laughs> and my mom, <laughs> I swear on this program. <laughs> my mom says to me, she goes, you're fucked. <laughs> she, said, <laughs> she said, you're going to fail out of that. She goes, Michael, you couldn't even pass French. <laughs> You're going to study Russian. I said, it'll be all right. Well, and the difference was, Brent, the difference when I got into language school with the military is they taught you not only a language, they taught you how to study. Yeah. I learned how to study in the military. The discipline. I ended up, yeah, the discipline to study. I ended up, and I had to study, you know, pretty hard because, I, like I said, I wasn't a great student, but it was a new subject for everybody. And uh, I ended up graduating as an honor grad. Yeah. Top five in my class. Everything was fine. And uh, then I went from there to the uh, 24th Infantry Division. Wow. Down at Fort Stewart, Georgia. Yeah. I think yeah. it's so interesting because, you know, you didn't like school. 
but when you decided to focus on it, you have a brilliant mind. And then once you got focused and they got you in the right path, you were good to go. Yeah. And it was just the structure. I mean, you know, I, I didn't have any academic structure when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. None, none. If I was passing, uh, you know, dad didn't say a word, you know, if I brought, and you know, you know how high school is. I mean, if I brought home B's, everything was good. good. So I see low B, I'm in man, you know? And, uh, I think I, you know, we did a, we did a point scoring system. So I graduated from high school with like a 78% overall GPA, you know? And, uh, I made it, (laughs) you know, that's all I cared about, you know? And, you know, I got in a little trouble in high school drinking, Yeah. you know, and this is just an example, you know, normal kid of, yeah. And, uh, well, the problem was that I was drinking a lot and (laughs) a lot. You know, it was at every weekend event. And the, when I got suspended, the super, we had to do a superintendent conference hearing. So we had to go see the superintendent, okay. not the principal. Big school. Yeah. You know, my high school had close to 4,000 students. Oh, my God. You know, that so is it was big. A big school. Yeah. So uh, we go in front of the superintendent, and the guy says, my mom and dad are there. He says, you know, Mr. Hughes, I've heard kind of through the grapevine, other students, that, uh, you know, you may have a drinking problem. He's and, heard this you know, through dad, the grapevine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my dad jumps to my defense, says bullshit, he doesn't have a drinking problem. Well, by God, I did. <laughs> you know? Um, but good for your dad, probably, defending the son. Yeah, yeah I like that. that. Yeah, that was the first, uh, first salvo. Did you think, did, uh, but seriously, at that time, did you think you had a drinking problem? No. No. You just th- you, you thought you could handle it and it was all good and... It was good. Everybody in my family drank. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, you know, we started drinking, you know, young, Yeah. young, you know? Um, so yeah, I didn't recognize it. I didn't, I didn't realize it until probably, I don't know, my third or Hughes fourth has, year. Hughes has Irish in it, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, you know, we're talking Hughes and Cassidy here. So <laughs> yeah. they teach you early. Yeah. Yeah. All real right. early. Okay. So I didn't recognize it until I was, you know, in my late twenties. Yeah. So, you know. so did you didn't, you didn't get shipped over anywhere to the, the, no. the trouble. Okay. What, <clears throat> no, what made it, you, what made you decide that that wasn't going to be a career for you? It wasn't going to be a career. Yeah. Cause I mean, some people, you know, once our, they like it, they spent 25 years in there. When we had our second son, yeah, I realized that it would just be too difficult for Shannon and the kids, yes. you know, traveling around, just, moving all the yeah. stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. Yeah, because like it. you said, I, I, I do everything, you know, zero to 60 you do. right now. <laughs> For those and who are listening, this man is a zero to 60 guy. There is no, it's black, white. There's no in between. Yeah. But I love that so about I you, Hughes. stationed at National Training Center at Porter when I was uh, uh, on a, in a unit uh, called the Op 4. <clears throat> and it was a one-year duty station. Yeah. And we were, we were downrange 28 out of 30 days. And then we'd get two or three days off, you know, you'd get, you'd go 28 days on three days off. And I was coming up for reenlistment and, uh, the reenlistment NCO says, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do anything, I want to look at what it looks like being attached to an SF unit. Right. Cause I loved Intel. Um, and I loved everything about being in the field. And mm-hmm. 
So I went home to Shannon and I told her, so I could get these orders to Bad Tolls, Germany. That's the good news. Cause That's she's, the good she invented news. Germany. That's the good news. <laughs> All right. The bad news for you is it's with the 10th Special Forces Group and I'm going to be gone a lot. Mm. And uh, we just made a family decision. It was the best, the best thing for us was to move on, yeah. you know? So yeah. I got out on March 16th of 1996. Um, and I had that weekend off. So March 16th was like, let's just say it was, I think it was a Tuesday, maybe a Wednesday yeah. when I got out. I went back, Shannon was staying in Vegas with my mom and dad. So I drove about three and a half hours. I go down to, uh, I remember this, I went to JC Penney's and got some dress clothes so I could start my new job on March 17th. Okay, the next uh, day. <laughs> next day. You're looking selling sharp. Cars, yeah. Selling cars, yeah. you know. And uh, I had to go get some pants, uh, some white shirts and some ties. Yep. And uh, that's what I did. And I, I got onto the car lot. Um, at 8 a.m. on March 17th and sold my first car by noon, and I was hooked. You, you are know? a great salesman, though, Michael. I, I, I loved it. You are a great I loved salesman. It, but I, I can also tell you this, though. By June, I, I just was telling this story today. June of that year, of 96, I went home, and it was 110 degrees in Vegas. It was hot. We were living in Las That'd Vegas. That'd be a hot car lot. Hot, <laughs> hot, hot, hot. And I said, I'm going to tell you this right now. I said, this time next year, I'm going to be in finance. I'm not doing this for <laughs> my whole life. And, uh, but Hey, that's, said, well, that, you know what? That, that's a good tip though, because you know, being in the car business, I mean, and we're going to talk shop a little bit here, but yeah. being in the car business though, it does teach you a lot about finance, doesn't it? I mean, it, it gives you all the tools that you need to be basic able to finance. Yeah. Basic, you know, you know, car notes and things, leases, yeah. things like that, you know? But yeah, I just made that decision. I talked one of the F&I guys into training me. So I'd get off work, you know, I'd get off my shift at seven o'clock, let's say, and I'd sit there and train with him for two, three hours a night until I got it down and the opening came up and they, they said, well, we need a finance guy. And he said, you know, we need to put an ad out. And he said, why? We got a guy right here. Okay. Okay. I, I want to stop you there because I think there's, there's a big gold nugget on that is that when you're trying to get to the next step, it's always good to humble yourself and figure out who's doing it right on what you want. And That's you right. went to the guy, the F and I guy, you knew you wanted to be in finance and you were willing to put in the extra hours to figure that job out. That's a big yeah, deal. Yeah. A lot of people don't take that step. Yeah. And, and you know, they, when I told them I wanted to be going to F and I, they said, well, you're going to have to pay to go to school. And school's like three grand. And, uh, I was like, nah, I don't have the money right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got two kids, yeah. you know. Um, and then when Mark told me that he would uh, he would help me and teach me, um, you know, I just sat in that office with him for hours and learned. I didn't get paid shit for it. It's off the clock. It's on my time. You I know? love it. Um, love and, it. Uh, and he advocated for me when that opportunity came up. He would and, because uh, he was part of you. He's on your team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and I still talk to that guy today. Matter of fact, he's, uh, I think he does some part-time work in the car business. Mark's probably, I don't know, eight or 10 years older than me. He plays a lot of guitar now. Yeah. Um, great musician. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he was a big catalyst for me, um, getting into finance and also into cocaine, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole nother deal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you get into F and I and you not, you're not walking the hot, hot lot. So yeah, making good money. You're in the car and, business. Um, 
Yeah, I'm in the car business. And uh, let's see, that was uh, like uh, up until like 19. So I was there about three years making great money. And, uh, you know, I, I got caught up in all of the uh, the stuff that. It's like being in a nightclub. At 100%. Car business I mean, is like car- nightclub business. The car business in the 90s was an absolute wild west free for all when it came to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. That's what it was. You know, you see the, the you see the movies that they, they make that are, you know, some of the boiler room stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. um, there was a lot of that going on, you know, and I was, I was young. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have that structure in my life that I talked about. Easy you know, to I fall into. Care. Yeah. I didn't carry, I didn't carry that structure out of the military into my civilian life. Due to, you know, if I really look at myself honestly, it's because of my maturity level. I was just so immature, you know, and you know, you're making money. Terrible combination, immaturity with money. That yeah. is a terrible combination. And, and, and I think there's another element to it. I think that in that type of situation, you're also with people that you're kind of feeling like are your mentors and you're looking up to, and they're all doing it, and it's all good, and everybody's making this tidal wave happen with money, and things are happening, and it's all good. Yeah. And I mean, there was just blow everywhere. Yeah. I mean, everywhere. Plus we're in Vegas, you know, I mean, it was just absolutely insane. Um, and you know, I did a lot of shit that, that, that brought me to the point that uh, landed me in, in, in prison. Um, but let me ask you something, Mike, cause I, when all that was going on and you're making it and you're making money and you're going and you're driving yourself was Shannon, like aware of you doing this or was this kind of a side thing? That- I, I hit it. I hit it a lot. Yeah. Summer. I hit a lot of the, uh, the use and, yeah. you know, finally I broke down one time because, you know, of course I didn't show up at home on time. And, uh, you know, I finally came clean, tried to get some help, but I wasn't serious. I was just trying to get out of that jackpot. Yeah. You know, I just didn't want her to be mad at me anymore. Yeah. So I started down that dance mm-hmm. of, uh, well, I'll get help. I'll get help. You know, that went on for about four years, um, in and out, um, in the interim, I, you know, I, I opened a car lot of my own, a small used car lot, opened a second one, had a garage, was selling a ton of cars, had a ton of, you know, capital running through there. And, but I don't um, want to, I don't want to step over that because I, one of the things, Mike, I think that you've done in your life is, is that, Regardless if you were walking down the wrong path on the personal side, on the business side, you were always willing to take the risk, step into it, take the risk, step into it, and 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 deal with those obstacles up, round, underneath, whatever. And you and you went through that and were able to get to where you're wanting to go. And I think, you know, a lot of people are always thinking, I'd really like to do that. And you stepped into, you got your own stuff going. And I think that's 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 a business thing, entrepreneurial yeah, thing. Yeah, and I, and the immaturity and the and I, Brent, everything came together during that two year period from probably well three year period from like ninety nine to oh two. Yeah, where I I was able to start building something really cool, and I thought that it was gonna you know explode. Um, and my personal choices outside of the business. Yeah caused me to drag it down with me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then it, you know, it just, 
it got to the point where, you know, uh, it, it, it was unsustainable personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was unsustainable for my family. Um, you know, I had three young children at that time and I, I completely, you know, let them down. Yeah. I let Shannon down. Um, and then finally, you know, Shannon had to make a decision to protect our family and to protect our children. That was the divorce thing. You know, so in '02, she uh, she filed for a divorce, and we got divorced. And uh, you know, that was uh, really some dark years for me. You know, really some dark years. Um, really, from '02 to 2011, were just a blur. I mean, an absolute blur. So, how did you handle that, Mike? I mean, because you 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 know, with all the things you had going on, you know, you, you're you're dealing with a divorce, you're dealing with a girl you love, the kids you love, and you know that this is all getting blurry. I mean, what was life like? Um, so inconsistent, unpredictable. Um, you know, it was just a, an absolute whirlwind, you know, and <clears throat> I, you know. Stayed in I Vegas? Get, stayed in Vegas. I tried to get clean. Wouldn't work. I tried to get clean. And, and every time I, I you know, I, I, I was trying to get clean, I was never really committing to the whole thing, yeah. the whole physical, spiritual recovery, yeah. you know. Um, I just didn't want to use. Yeah. But I, did, I wasn't willing, you know, you talk about putting the work in, Brent, and I was willing to put the work in where I could see tangible results because I knew if I did, for instance, I know t- tomorrow, if I walked onto a car lot and I did these set of activities, I would get a known outcome. Sure. Right. Yep. I, I know what the outcome is yeah. going to be. You got confidence um, in that. Yeah. I have confidence in that, in that method. Yep. Right. Going through recovery, I wanted a specific outcome. By God, I wanted my family back. I wanted this back. I, there's no guarantee of that. Right. So I wanted that recovery for all the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that led to failure after failure after failure. Um, and then in 2005, I had been clean for a short amount of time, and I knew that I had to do something. And um, I brought my business plan to uh, a friend of mine who was also my attorney. Um, he liked it. What do you need? And I said, I have no office space. I have no money. I have nothing. It's just this idea. And um, he said, well, you can, well, let's start in that office right there. You can use that office. And, and as it gets going, I'll start charging your rent. And I said, okay, give me a computer. I went to work and, and we started, I started building something and he saw the success of it. He said, you know, I'd really like to be a part of this. And so I could have, you know, I needed the help. And then we added another partner who was on the acquisition side. <clears throat> and what um, kind of business story, was so, this? We were purchasing homes from builders. Okay. Um, and we would negotiate large, I, you know, we would go in, okay, how much for the house? The house is three fifty. Mm-hmm. How much if we buy two? How much if we buy four? How much if we buy ten? Right, and so the home was worth three fifty. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we might get ten homes for three hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Okay, they would sell the homes to a third party that we agreed to property manage for them. Yeah, and go fifty fifty on the home, and then our company would take cash back at closing of whatever the difference between appraised value and the actual sales price was. Disclosed on the HUD one and everything. Obviously, I'm. This is I'm your brainchild. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this and I, you know, the attorney says, yeah, this is perfectly legal. Um, 
And then uh, fast forward to 2007 and some people start getting indicted for things that look really similar to what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I bring it, I bring these articles to the attorney and he's saying, well, Mike, there's, he was, you know, the devil's in the details. It, it could be, they didn't disclose it properly on the HUD. They didn't disclose it on the contract. Um, he said, but if it'll make you feel better, let's go see this, this criminal attorney that I know. Mm-hmm. And we went and, um, you know, <laughs> She, she said, don't miss a payment and you'll be okay. And that's the wild, what wild west of, of 2007, 2008. Yeah, what kind of advice is that? Don't yeah. miss a payment. Yeah. Wells Fargo's cutting LTVs by 15%. Right. I mean, it's just a matter of time because our acquisition model was unsustainable mm-hmm. because we were relying on the on the traditional capital markets to purchase these homes. Right. And we knew when that, I knew, I knew, in, I knew six months before it happened, that it was going to happen. I said, you know, when this market tightens down, we won't be able to pull this capital out of these properties, which is sustaining some of our negative else. cash flow. Yep. Sustaining our negative cash flow. Yeah. Um, so long story short, we uh, we we had a, a disagreement. I said, you know, I'm out, and um, you know, probably the wrong thing to do. Um, and uh, Jerry, so I'll just take over management. And he did, and um, tried to wind down the business. Um, you know, I, I went off the corporation in 09. I should have gone off of it earlier, but I didn't. Um, and then, uh, you know how it all kind of came out. What finally happened is I, you know, I was broke, didn't know what to do. I picked up again using, Mm -hmm. and then, um, November, I was back in Syracuse. My dad, you know, gave me a place to stay and, uh, I was just broken, you know, I, where was I, I Shannon? There. Where was Shannon at this point? She was in Missouri. She had gotten the kids out of Vegas and moved to Missouri, and okay. I was doing the best I could to go back and forth. And in oh, in in two thousand and nine or ten, I think it was, I had gone back to Syracuse, and um, mm-hmm. my dad. I was broke. I had a truck. Mm-hmm. That was it. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad goes, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I said, "You know what, Dad? I mean, we're we're right in the grips of no economy, right?" You know how it is. I don't know. You may not know how it is, but when you get into those rust belt areas of the Northeast and manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, what are, if our nation's in a recession, they're in a depression. Right. I mean, it's a bad deal. Right. So I went, <laughs> you know, like this broke, nothing, can't go sell cars, can't do anything. I go and I, I said, dad, I need to borrow your trailer and a thousand bucks. <laughs> now, mind you, I've got my truck. Yeah. He goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to open a power washing company. Love it. <laughs> I go out, I print off some business cards at Vista Print. I buy a tank and I buy a uh, power washer. And I start going door to door in Syracuse. And I pick up some rental stores, all their vans. And I did those on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I, I started going door to door to a company. And, uh, you know, and I just picked up these jobs over and over to car lots. And finally I got so busy. I was like, shit, I, I can't keep this up. Yeah. I can't do this all on my own. Yeah. You know, I was doing the canopies for gas stations, yeah. you know, it was Everything. literally busy <laughs> six days a week and, uh, making great money. And, um, again, uh, you know, the, uh, the addiction kicked in probably, uh, you know, how, maybe how I wasn't did the able addiction to- kick in? Was it somebody you were with? It started out in the car business, man. I started yeah. doing some blow yeah. and, um, and, you know, zero to 60 again, Brent, you know, zero to 60, man. I, I did my first line. I was dead set against drugs growing mm-hmm. up, hated drugs, hated them. Didn't even like smoking weed. 
um, did my first line in uh, uh, called June of '97, mm-hmm. and uh, by G- August of '98, I was doing an eight ball a day. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> and then I got into smoking it, and so that was just a demon I couldn't get off my back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so November, I'll ne- I'll, I, I remember the day like it was yesterday, November 17th of 2011, I had been on six, seven, eight day run. And um, I was uh, in a hotel, um, all the shades drawn. And uh, I was dead set on just, you know, smoking myself to death. Just going all, you know? going all in. Yeah finishing it because I was just killing everybody around me. Yeah. And, um, I woke up and there was still a bunch of drugs laying there on the table. And, uh, I woke up and uh, I didn't know if it was dawn or dusk, mm. you know, that, that period yeah. where you don't know what yeah, time it is. What happened. You're just so out of it. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I walked out of the hotel and, uh, you know, it was November, so it said six thirty. Well, that didn't mean shit to me. That could have been six thirty. <laughs> right, so, so I just started walking because I couldn't find my vehicle. Yeah. And uh, where I was staying to the VA, I went back and I drove it later. Um, was about six and a half miles, and I walked to the Veterans Administration in Syracuse, New York, and showed up at the emergency room and said, "I need help." Wow. And this uh, this nurse. This guy, this male nurse who was a veteran as well, um, you know, immediately takes my blood pressure, takes my, my pulse. And it was a bad deal. I was in really bad condition. Mm-hmm. And he said, he goes, I'm giving you some Valium right now to slow it on your heart rate. Um, he goes, I just lost my brother two weeks ago to a heroin overdose. He goes, I'm not gonna let you die. Wow. And, um, you, you, you and, met the uh, right guy. I met the right guy at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so anyhow, I went to a seven day detox there started getting serious about recovery. Um, and so right after Thanksgiving, I was working at this office and I come outside, I was still smoking at the time. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I, I can honestly say today, I understand what addicts and alcoholics mean when they say the obsession is lifted because mm-hmm. I couldn't get rid of the obsession no matter what, no matter what. I mean, it would come back at the damnedest time, but for some reason, the day after I woke up at the VA, like detox, I was like, I just felt different. I just, I just, I, this, this, this weight was off of me, you know, it's, it's like, like I had surrendered. It. I felt like surrender, you know? Yeah. So I go back to this office to work and I walk out to have a cigarette and these two guys approach me and uh, the guy says, Mike Hughes. I said, yeah. He said, uh, and I'll never forget. It. It's like first day you meet your drill sergeants. I know my drill sergeant's name, you know, still to this day, drill sergeant Miller, drill sergeant Lawson. Guy says, my name's Mike Watson. I'm with the FBI. Oh, I was man. like, you got to be shitting me. Oh, <laughs> you know, I get God. clean. And all I could think. It's like a movie. Because I knew it was coming. Yeah. I, I just, I had talked to a guy in October and what really started the run was I was, I called one of my good friends and he says to me, under advice of counsel, Mike, I can't talk to you. Click. I was like, that was it. Hell? Yeah. And I kind of knew, but I didn't. So when yeah. these guys showed up, I just said to them, I kind of been waiting for you. Wow. I knew you were coming, you know? And so that started a fairly long, you know how that process oh, goes. Yeah. It's a long Go process, forever. you know? And, uh, so that's what happened, man. And, uh, I got, but, but here's the deal, Brent, is that I didn't, today, I don't care about any of that. Yeah. 
because I got clean. Yeah, and that, and that I got incredible? clean. And that incredible. I didn't give a shit about any of that stuff. You know, I got clean. And so, so when all that came down, and the FBI guys mm-hmm. came in and did their stuff, and they said it's all coming down on you. How long a process was that? How long did you have to go from, hey, I'm the FBI guy to, I'm Mike Hughes trying to figure out if I'm going to plead this thing out or go to trial? Um, I well, it was um, December second of 2011. Um, I pled out October. I mean, it was because there was a lot of people in my case, right? Mm-hmm. So October of 13, I had a hearing. Okay. And, uh, it was a plea hearing, you know, it was a, you know, it's when I entered my plea. Um, and then I had a sentencing hearing in March of 14. Yeah. Uh, and I was March 19th because I, they gave me 90 days to report. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to, you know, I, I reported June 19th, I think it was June 19th of 2015 to Leavenworth. And I was a 33 month, uh, sentence. Yeah. You know, I got 33 months with two years supervised release and it was my my you know i, I remember you know, when you got there hughes yeah, yeah. i mean you can I, talk i've been i've talk been there I, I had been there for about a year or so and you know you're always looking at the guys walking in and yeah and i was thinking yeah that guy i kind of want to get to know that guy he looks interesting to me <laughs> yeah so but well, it, you know but, it's fun it's like the Shawshank the thing where the guys look at the people running up and they see the yeah, new guys rocking. Right. Yeah, hey, right. that guy looks like somebody I want to get to know. Well, I, you know, when I got sentenced, they the prosecutor wanted a five-year supervised release. Yeah. And uh, the the judge said, well, he's only, I'm only ordering two. Mm-hmm. And he said, I strongly disagree with that. And she said, well, when you get nominated by a president or appointed by a president and confirmed by the Senate, you can make these decisions until then. <laughs> I was like, I like this lady, you know? So I got the two year supervised release and, you know, I, I, I went and, and reported and, um, well, tell me about that. Did you voluntarily surrender at Leavenworth? Voluntarily surrendered at Leavenworth. Okay. And I can tell you, and I, talk I heard to, you talk, share. Talk your, to me about it. Like, yeah, talk to me about it. Yeah. <laughs> You the, 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 the part about Leavenworth is, you know, my wife dropped, dropped me off, which, you know, we were back together at this point. Okay. We'd gotten clean. Sh- Shannon and I got back together. What we're a, what a warrior Shannon is. Absolutely. Oh, Stone man. I love Shannon. Stone cold warrior. <laughs> so she drops me off, and I, I can't even imagine what was going through her head because, yeah. you know, Leavenworth is a pretty imposing place. Well, it's 1879. It looks like Shawshank Redemption. It's That's right. really, That's really, right. really ugly. Yeah, and you, you, you report and you walk into the main prison, right? Yes. And uh, you just hear, you just hear that 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 metal against metal mm. shutting behind you, and you go, "Holy mm. shit, this is real!" You know, yeah, this isn't a movie. Um, I'm in it. Yeah, yeah. and you know, I, I, <clears throat> you know, so I reported. And, uh, I, I stayed up there a couple hours, I think, yeah. you know, yeah. and then they, the, the van came and got me, a little and brought mini me back van. down. Yeah. Little minivan brings you down <laughs> to the camp. And I thought, well, this is a hell of a lot better than where I just was. So my life's already getting already better. better. Yeah. I just tried to look at, you know, every day that I was there, is it better than the previous day? And yes, I'm one step closer. I'm one day closer. Um, 
but what can I do today to make today better than yesterday? Great you tip, know? Mike. Great tip. And that's all I tried to do. I read a lot. Yep. You I read sure a did. Lot. I, I read a lot. I, I, I probably read in that 14, I bet you I read a couple hundred books. Tell I mean, me, tell me about how books. did you get into, cause you were kind of the guy that was in the education department and, um, you should have been because you, you are a teacher and you're smart and uh, you're a leader. How, how did you get that job in prison? Um, I forgot who mentioned it to me, but they, they said you need to go to t- talk to, to, to uh, Correction Officer Thomas. Mm-hmm. So I go in and, and, you know, and I think he was off on Mondays and so he wasn't there. So I went back to my, my bunk, still didn't have a job and, you know, the COs are coming. How long have you been there? How long have you been there at that point? A couple few days. days. Yeah. A few days, yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, you, I go back to my bunk and, and, you know, the COs are bitching at you for being in your bunk. And I'm like, I ain't got a job. You know? <laughs> right. What I got nothing to do. To do. Help so, yeah, me out. Help me help you. <laughs> yeah. Bunks made. Everything's cool. So, well, he was off on Monday. So, Tuesday I go in and I meet with him. And, you know, he was kind of a prick to start with, but then he kind of, you know, asked me about my background, um, you know, told him I was in the, you know, in the military, mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he was in the, re- he was in the reserves of the guard at the mm-hmm. time. So, um, you know, he said, yeah, you can come to work. Here's what I need. And, um, you know, we started talking about these guys sitting for the GED and, and, you know, he was just really harsh about it. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys ain't going to get it. They're idiots, mm-hmm. blah, blah. You know, all the bullshit you yeah. get from. They don't from believe in anybody, so right? They don't believe, you know, he was more, it was more important for him to have, you know, the garden program, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, they just didn't have a belief that these guys could learn. And, um, you know, the biggest problem they had was math. Yeah. Um, and That's I was what terrible you're good at, at math, but well, no, I was terrible at but math, you're right? Good like I failed at algebra. Yeah. So, well, what I've learned was these guys, a lot of these guys, man, um, they were just never, they, they, nobody would ever relate math to their life. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I can tell you right now, the guys that we were in prison with Brent mm-hmm. could add a quarter in a quarter. Yes, they could. They just needed to, they needed they to have that quarter equipment. Figure out how that <laughs> created something. Right. Yeah. How did that's right. How did that equate to their life? Yes. And, uh, so that's the approach that I took and I had a couple of cool guys that were in there that were really smart. You know, Bob was in there. I forgot Bob's last name, but mm-hmm. he was in there. Bob fine. Yeah. I think is fine. his name. And he yeah. was in there. Fine was in there and he was a engineer and mm-hmm. you know, Sean McFarland, you know, yep. probably one of the sharpest guys, probably one of the smartest guys. Yeah. I've he's met. smart. You know, yeah. Smart, smart, smart guy. Sometimes and just in case he listens to this too smart for his own good. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, I, I, I told him that. So that's not me talking. He'll be listening to you <laughs> cause he was the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he is a smart uh, so yeah, guy. He real smart guy. Yeah. yeah. So I started doing that, and um, you know, I found a little bit of purpose. I took it seriously. You know, to me, it wasn't. Uh, um, but I what a cool what a cool thing to do in prison. You know, I always admired your effort that you put into because I worked in the food warehouse and then I went and worked at the golf course. You were educating these guys to get their GED, and I always thought, man, that's cool. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I can tell you that it, um, it helped me from a gratitude. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that sometimes, um, 
people in general, not just me, not just you, not, you know, not anybody in particular, but human beings, we sometimes have a tendency to not be able to see just how, how good our life has been. Yeah. You know, and and I can make jokes about my high school and and me being a poor student. It wasn't because I wasn't given an opportunity. It wasn't because I didn't have great teachers and like great instructors that didn't care about me. It was because I didn't give a shit. But how ironic, how ironic, Mike, that through all that, you end up becoming a teacher leader in prison. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was cool. And it helped me a lot. I mean, I, I, it helped me a lot, you know, um, it helped me day to day. Um, you know, and there were some guys that took getting their GED pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, you know, to go to the class, to you know, get three hours in the afternoon and not have to be, you know, wherever. Um, they, they took it seriously. And, you know, some of those guys, I need a little bit of help. Can you help me tonight on this? If we come down to the, you know, yeah. Sure. I'll help you with it. You know, so, so, cool. so Mike, tell me like, uh, you know, I know when you're walking through all this stuff and Shannon drops you off at prison, what, you know, there's hard days in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you work through the strategies of making it work for you? Um, you know, like I said earlier, the, the year I kind of look at it as I was on the shelf for that time. Right. And, um, so if, if I needed just an escape, I would read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I would read whatever, because you know, when you're reading, which your is a great escape topic, by the way. Yeah. Your yeah. mind's on the topic, not on your, you know, not mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're not, you know, living in your own head with a madman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so I would read a lot. Um, I played a lot of basketball, a lot of sports. Yeah. Played softball and, you know, and played softball played basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you ref you know, too, which I thought was insane. That was a bad deal. I just I can't believe you ever did that. I mean, my God, you put the, the stripes on in prison. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you asked me that one time, I remember you came to me one time. You said, Cassidy, you want to help me rough? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was terrible from jump. No, right? I didn't even I mean, have to think. I didn't have to think a split second about that. And you rest. And I'm repping. I'm repping some of these guys that I have a pretty good like relationship, friendship with, like Gutierrez, right? That wasn't even that basketball lasted, that you were reffing. I mean, these, that, this that is hardcore shit going on in there, and you're trying to figure out what's yeah, going these on. These guys are all, you know, these guys are are you're laughing and playing pinochle with them an hour before, and two minutes into the game, they're mfing you. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like oh, what man. just happened? No man, it's so, crazy. Uh, so, yeah, and, you know, the other thing, too, I was really, really lucky um, to have I, – I met some – I had some really, really good guys yeah. um, that, uh, you know, helped me uh, help me stay in today. Mm-hmm. You know, they just helped me stay in today that it, this is just, you know, it's how you're feeling today, but it'll be all right. Yep. Um, you know, not that uh, – not that uh, not that soft. Uh, they were a little bit more – Harsh, you know, pointed about yeah. it a little bit harsher about it, but mm-hmm. they, you know, you know, I had, you know, my bunk main prison was Glover and, you know, I, I've, you know, I got lucky yeah, with that guy, you yeah. know, he had been down a long time. Um, you know, he, he was an addict 
Um, he was trying to make his life better. Yep. Um, he was trying to do all the things right, knowing that he didn't want to go back yep. when, once he got out. Um, and just a good dude. Yeah, no, you, know, you turned just, me on to Glover. And, I mean, Glover is a hell of a success story for sure. Oh, he's just such a great guy, great family. Yep. Um, and good people. And, you know, you see what he's doing with his life, man. Yeah. And, you know, those are the wins. Yeah. Those are the That's wins. That's a win. You know, that's a straight win. And, and it couldn't happen to a better man. Yeah. You know, it couldn't happen to a better man. So he was my bunk mate. And for, I don't know, out of the 14 months, maybe for eight or nine of them, mm -hmm. I mean, big, big share. You know, I got in RDAP a little bit earlier than my class started. Yeah. So I was in the, you know, I was in there and then I stayed after and, and he stayed. Um, so, you know, because there was open, open bunks and, um, I don't know, man, it was just good. I mean, you know, he, uh, he listened to a lot of my bullshit. Um, you know, Stroby was there, yeah. um, and, and he listened to a lot of my bullshit and, uh, you know, called me on it when it was real. <laughs> and, uh, that's you a good know, thing about um, prison. You get called on your own bullshit, right? Absolutely. It doesn't, absolutely. It, bullshit doesn't walk very far without being called on it. In yeah. Prison. You know, another guy that was in my, uh, right there in my, in my, like, you know, you had the, in the art app, you had the four bones. Yeah. Was Hector Mota. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Hector. Yeah. I remember Hector. Great dude. Yeah. Great guy. Great family. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I, I should have him on the podcast. He, he's be a good guy. He's, he's a great guy, man. You know, um, uh, just, I just think about all these guys and I think about them, you know, a lot, you know, about, you know, I wonder what they're doing. Yeah. You know, you I, know? and that's what, one of the things I think about Mike is, is that you have such a weird thought, you know, your mind makes it out to be so much worse than it, it really is when you're going into prison. And, you know, I come away with it with, there was a lot of good guys that I ran into in prison and, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of them and, you know, everybody makes mistakes and everybody gets, you know, into tight spots, but it's how you handle that challenge, how you, how you get through it is what makes you a winner or a loser. And, you know, I, I still think, you know, knowing what I know of the guys that were in Leavenworth, there's so many good guys that are in there and smart, oh, guys, and smart guys and smart guys. Here. Yeah. You know that. Leavenworth, Leavenworth was, um, Leavenworth, Leavenworth was better than my halfway house. Yeah. Oh, for sure. God, you could. It wasn't even south close. of St. Louis was like a war zone. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, probably within the first week that I got to the halfway house, um, you know, they were hooking up my uh, one of my roommates for uh, for heroin use. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they were just like, "Holy shit!" Okay, you know. Well, you know, walk, walk me back, Hughes, because you got out or before you got out. You know, that six-month time period before you get to the door, things get a little weird because you start thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to re-enter. I'm, I'm heading I'm heading into freedom, which is a good mm -hmm. thing. But it's also a thing that you know that, um, you know, it's going to be different. What, how did you handle yeah. that? Well, I was really, you know, I, I – you know, we have people that help us throughout our life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the way it, it, it's just the way that it works out. Some of them we recognize, some of them we don't. Um, because, you know, typically the people that helped me that I, I didn't recognize their help at the time was because of my ego. Yeah. You know? Um, How honest is that? That's so true. Me, me too. Me too. <laughs> you know? You know For sure. I mean, 
but now I look, I can look back at my life and look at all the people that have, have given to me everything they could possibly give mm-hmm. to contribute to my success mm-hmm. um, at whatever level of success I get to enjoy uh, as, as a human being. But I, one of the guys, so when I, when I left to go to prison, I was working at a car store mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not going to mention the car store. I just, you know, working at a car store for, and the general manager, who's a friend of mine today, um, said, look, your, your job's going to be waiting for you when you get out. Wow. I was like, and who says that? Right. Okay. Um, I signed in at the halfway house and, um, he called, I called him. I had a phone. Um, who picked you, who picked you up when you got, uh, released from prison? My wife and my daughter. How awesome is that? That was cool. We stayed, uh, we got a, we had a hotel in Leavenworth and then drove home the next day. Cause I got out for some reason I got out later in the day or whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. It was afternoon. It was longer drive back. So we yeah. just stayed. But, um, for the next day, um, when I check into the halfway house and everything, um, I had already made contact with the employer and he said, uh, yeah, I'll have a car there tomorrow for you to pick you up, bring you to the office and um, we'll get you a demo. So you can drive back and forth to work. So I'm driving from Springfield. Mike. Yeah. So I'm driving an hour a day. Yeah. So I've got a job. I go right back into my same position, earning good money. Yeah. Um, And uh, so my shift, so, you know, the halfway house, you, if you have to be at the house, if you're not at work, Mm -hmm. right. Well, I went, my, my, my shift started at 8am. I would, didn't have a chance to go to the gym. So I'd get up at five at the halfway house, grab a quick bite to eat, get on the road at five 30, get to the gym at six 30, right. Work out for 45 minutes, get showered up and go to the office. And I'd stay at the office from eight in the morning until nine at night. Yeah. Cause and you I don't want to do go back because I don't want to go back. Right. So I was just a machine for six months, yeah. you know? Um, but I look at the, the opportunity that Greg gave me. What a great um, opportunity right out of prison. Yeah, Right out of prison. Great opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I worked my, my ass off mm-hmm. for that amount of time and, and, um, got out of the halfway house, moved back into the house. And then, uh, you know, Shannon and I got remarried. How awesome and, is uh, that? I mean, Shannon and you were divorced in 2002. Mm-hmm. And, and you got remarried in, in 2016. 16. Wow. What a success yeah. story that is. Yeah, it's been a it's been a blessing. Um How are the kids? Oh, fantastic, man. I've got uh, Patrick is our oldest. He's uh he'll be 30 this year. Mm. He'll be 30 in August and he's got I'm getting ready to have a 30-year-old too. Yeah. Yeah, we got two grandkids, um Sean and Finley. Wow. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's amazing. Being a grandparent is, yeah. uh, you get to, uh, try and make up for all the things that you screwed up, <laughs> you know? And they go home. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then we got Colin. He lives up in Kansas city. Yeah. Great kid work, working hard, doing well. And then Morgan, our, uh, our daughter, she's our youngest. She's, uh, 24. Four, yeah, and she uh, she lives in Boston. She's doing great. That's awesome. She's doing great. So we're just, uh, you know, our family looks at our life with gratitude today. Yeah, you know, we have a, a lot of gratitude. Um, 
you know, we made a decision, uh, you know, a couple of years ago to uh, make some changes um, because the kids were gone, yeah. you know. So yeah. we had an opportunity that we took. Um, it's been a success um, from the lifestyle firm. You know, we, uh, you know, we, we have more of a remote work situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my days are active in, in, in recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I spend, uh, you know that I talked to you about that. Yeah, you know, I'm so proud of you though, with, with Mike, with what you've done and what you've been through and how you stayed consistent on tackling that it's, it's, um, you know, every day is a success, right? Yeah. And you know, what's crazy, Brent, is that I, I've, um, probably in the past year, um, I, I started getting really entrenched in it over the past year because I realized that it's, it's not a, about me. It's about other people, you mm-hmm. know, trying to help them put your hand back and help someone. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've gotten several calls this year from people that I've known for years. Um, just as an example, um, I got a phone call from a friend in Vegas who said, Hey, I just wanted to call that, you know, do you remember so-and-so? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think he was a, a drug and alcohol blues counselor. Yeah. They found him hanging in his bedroom last night. Wow. You know, and, and there's a guy that just, just didn't want to do it anymore. You know, up. couldn't do it anymore. Gave yeah. up. So, you know, this, uh, this, uh, addiction is, uh, is a serious, serious matter. It is, it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think really, I think it's come out even more now after these last two years that we've endured under the. Yeah. Everybody's had a little taste of prison in the last two years, right? Yeah. You know, everybody has their own opinion on the pandemic, so I'll stay yeah. off of it. But we certainly know the math. Yes. We know that that, that overdoses are up. We know that um, uh, use is up. Right. You know. People um, not going to get I mean, checked for their hearts and the cancer and all the other right. things that go on with that. Yeah, I know. I mean, so. You know, addiction's real. It's here. It's not going anywhere. And, and you know, it's uh, it's important for uh, people that have been blessed yeah. by other people yeah. to try and do something. But, Mike, so you're, that's why you're, I, I, you are living – I can see it in your face. You're living the good life. You're, you're, you're living uh, the business. You've got that going on in your head. Uh, you're making things happen. Your kids are good. Uh, you're living where you want to live. Um, Mm -hmm. you've made the changes that you want to make. What's your, what do you think would be your biggest takeaway from all this stuff that you've gone through? Because every time that you've hit something, you figured out how to walk through around underneath crawl, crawl over the top of it. What do you think is your biggest takeaway through everything that you've been through in your life? That's a great question. That's a great question. Cause you've done a lot. You know, I, yeah, I think for me, um, because of all the, the, the failures, you know, when I look at things in my life, the failures, I think it's, if you have to have an approach of it's not final until I'm in the ground. Absolutely. I can, I can get past this. I can get over this. I yeah. can come back from this. I can recover from this. Yeah. I can, you know, I can meet this challenge. Um, you know, whatever, it is that's placed in front of me. If I'm drawing a breath, I have a chance. Love it. Um, I love and, that. Uh, that's that's how I believe, you know. And um, well, you've lived it. Yeah. 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 And and the other thing I think, Mike, that you have done a great job with is that you learn from your mistakes. Your your mistakes don't define you. 
They make you wiser. And if you're not growing, you're not making mistakes. You just don't want to make the same mistake twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. You do the best you can not to. Um, you know, I, I can't, I mean, I, you know, that, 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 that dance, that relapse dance was the same mistake over and over yeah. and over again. Um, and that's a, that was something that I just kept beating myself up over. Um, you know, because, uh, you, you just, the, I guess the shame and guilt, you know, yeah, but somehow you, you, somehow at some point you, you became committed. I, <laughs> I remember my, my grandpa used to say, Brent, you know the difference between the ham and the eggs at your breakfast? You see that chicken's involved. That pig, he's damn committed. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You got committed somewhere in there. And and I gotta say, I I just think I just think everything that you've done, Mike, and I've wanted to interview you for so long, and we've talked about this because you and I we're we're close, we stay in touch, and and I just think it's so cool on so many different levels of what you've had to deal with. You haven't given up. You haven't given in. Yeah. And you've kept being yourself you know, and you, you decided, Hey, no matter what, I'm going to get through this. I like yeah, that. And I, you know, I, I, I can't take away, I can't take back anything that's happened. Yep. You know, I can, I can move past it and, you know, there's, yeah, and I, I just shared this with a guy the other day, you know, there's amends that we have to make in our life, right? Sure. We go back. Everybody and does. We, we got to make these amends, right? There's other things, Brent, that I'll never be able to, there's people, mm-hmm. people that I, that I have in my life every day that there is no amends that I can make verbally with them. I have to make a daily living amends. Oh, and wow. that is, this is, this is what I'm going to do every day, even on the days when I don't want to do it because it's the right thing to do, not only for me, but more importantly for them. Yeah, it's you actions. Know? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's the actions that, 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 that I have to try and impart. And some days I'm successful, some days I'm not. But, um, you know, I, I can tell you is that um, I get up every day and I, and, and I talked to you a little earlier in the, in the call here about you know, that organization, regimentation mm-hmm. structure, mm-hmm. my day is really super structured again. And, and I think that, that it's not necessarily what leads to success in your career, although it contributes to it, but in overall life, yep. right? Yep. I get up, my, my family can count on me that, that, you know, if, 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 if I leave the house or if Shannon wakes up and I'm, I'm, I'm not here, she knows based on looking at her watch where I'm at. Yep. You know, <laughs> she knows. No, I that like it. It, it makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, she knows where I'm at. So, and that's important to me. Sure, because Structure. that's a part of the security for family. Yeah, right. That's part of the security for family. So, but yeah, man, it's uh, you know, it's been a uh, it's been a, a long it's been a hard journey, but it, it's uh, I think everything that we do is what leads us up to where we're at today. You know? Yep. I, I so agree. And, and, and everything you've been through is what, what projects you forward and onward. Hughes, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to say? No. You've said it's no. some good you, stuff. You, you've get, you put I, out some really good nuggets of stuff. This, is, yeah, this has been fun it. interviewing you, by the way. Yeah. I, I've learned a lot more about you than I did when we were walking <laughs> the fence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're all just focused on that protection. You know that 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 wall a little bit when yeah. we're there. 
Yeah, a little bit. There's a wall there. You can't help it. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I, uh, I think it's great what you're doing. I'm super excited to see what's going to happen in the, the weeks and months to come. Um, you know, it's so cool. I appreciate so cool that, that you decided to do this. It's fun. It's yeah. fun to have this platform for everybody to have an opportunity to be able to tell their story. Michael Hughes, thank you so much for being my guest today. I, I've wanted you on this show for a long time, and it's been fun talking to you. Um, for those who are still looking for a book out there, there's a book. It's called Nightmare Success. Check it out. It's written by me. Everybody, Nightmare Success, in and out. Thanks for listening today.